All right. Looking good. It's good to be with everyone again today on the In Focus podcast to take, uh, especially after a couple of weeks off as I was first sick and then recovering from COVID-19. But we are back and ready to go today with a fresh look at the Bible and some big Christian ideas and how they bring the world into focus and empower us to live a more eternal kind of life within it. Today, I am joined by a very good friend of mine who I've known for 14 years as I thought back over that, which is funny because I'm sure we're not getting that much older. Um, And uh, Chris Martinez is on my personal short list of friends that I would love to work alongside more closely someday. I won't go through everyone else who may or may not be on that list, but uh, rest assured, Chris, you certainly are. Uh, Chris Martinez as a husband and dad and pastor and church planter and a very good friend. Uh, anything else you think uh, would be good for our listeners to know about yourself before we get started on this thing? No, no, other than uh, the two things. One, I'm very happy you recovered and thank, thank God we were praying for you. And Justin, as far as um, I'm concerned, is on my short list. Not only people that would be amazing to have an opportunity to work with, but people that I trust and people that um, when something's going on in life or I need prayer, it's good to have brothers in the Lord that are going to give you solid counsel, good encouragement. And so his, uh, my relationship with Justin's probably been one of the, the most rewarding and fruitful, even though we always live on different sides of the country, it seems it's been, um, it's been really good. Yes, agreed. It's been a little bit tricky to close that gap, hasn't it? <laughs> maybe, maybe someday. It definitely has. <laughs> uh, so, uh, I appreciate your prayers, by the way, because going through the middle of that virus was not very much fun, and I'm happy that I should now be uh, ridding myself of any remaining virus inside me and immune now. So, how about that, huh? Maybe I'll rub off while we're talking today, and you can be immune with me. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd prefer that rather that way than actually getting it. it sounds like a nasty thing. Yeah, it, it was uh, unpleasant. So uh, along those lines, let's do this one first. What has been the unexpected highlight of your quarantine experience to this point? So I am a pastor of a church that my wife and I planted in um, in South Carolina, and I also work full-time uh, in the school system. I manage uh, intervention programs and things that would help support students who have behavior or academic issues. It's a pretty large district. And I have five kids. And so we actually had our fifth child here right as we were planting the church. And working full-time is, you know, my life is very, very busy. And... Um, now I've been able to work at home. Uh, they, I'm still working, but I'm working at home, and all of our kids are uh, doing the online homeschool thing through the, through their district. And the fact that I actually get to see my kids and spend time with them and play catch with them, I mean, still working, but the you know 45-minute commute one way is out of the picture right now, so there's there's more time. And so I've really enjoyed that. That's been a blessing to me because I don't get as much of that as I would like. 
Nice. Yeah, that's a good way to make some lemonade with uh, life's lemons. All right. So here's the here's what's rolling around in my um, wandering little mind today. And this one, no pressure, is kind of a softball. It's one of my favorite verses on one of my favorite topics. So I'm expecting some pretty fantastic things and good conversation. <laughs> Uh, and for any of our listeners who are getting to know you for the first time, you know, this is your chance to show them just, uh, how brilliant you are. So again, no pressure, anything like that. Um, but as people, this is my observation to, uh, stereotype all of us a little bit. We are extremely distractible and very prone to losing focus so easily and so often that I think oftentimes, our lives start to take shape around stupid and entirely insignificant stuff, or sometimes maybe things that the world deems important that are still ultimately going to be eternally insignificant. Um, so we have all these people that are eternal creatures created to govern creation forever under the lordship of Jesus, and we end up spending our lives um, and kind of wasting who and what we are pursuing all sorts of nonsense. So here, this is, this is one of those things that um, keeps sort of aggravating me that we forget, we're so prone to forgetting. And then there's this verse in Hebrews chapter 12 that I figured we could use as an anchor for today's conversation because it recalls a famous story about a guy in the Old Testament, the latter half of Genesis chapter 25, who basically did this exact same thing and was willing to trade away literally his identity and purpose for a bowl of soup because that's what he wanted, and he wanted it right now, and he thought he just might die if he didn't get his belly full of soup at the moment. So here's that verse in uh, Hebrews, just for reference, chapter 12, and it's about Esau, and uh, the author says... Uh, reminds us not to be sexually immoral, and then, or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. And then afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing that should have been his, he was rejected, for he did not find a chance to repent, even though he sought it with tears. So there's sort of a an anchor point. So what would you have to say for us, you know, as a, as again, a man trying to live faithfully and to live well and be a good husband and dad and pastor and um, serving the people in your uh, district and all that good stuff? What do you have to say about this as we're living in a culture that not only forgets, but sometimes even glorifies the pursuit of cravings and desires and whatever quote-unquote bowl of soup is sitting out in front of us? Yeah, that's uh, definitely a great question, and um, I will do my best to take a stab at it. It feels like you and I were a lot smarter when we first met back when we were younger and knew everything and the older. <laughs> um, at least I get. seems like I know less. Um, but as I was thinking through your question and kind of thinking about this, I... Uh, so, so one of the things I do is I work a lot around behavior, correcting behavior and trying to help instill the right type of behavior in the students. So I study a lot of neurobiology and different things like that. And, and just, there's, there's two ways our mind can function in a nutshell. Now, I'm not a neurobiologist, but I know how to read what they put out. 
and one of them put it this way: that our, our our minds, our brains, our our ourselves, we can be uh, reactive, or we can be reflective. And I think um, that reactive mindset, we get into that part of our brain or that part of our psyche, is really where advertisers, people that are trying to make us spend money, uh, where fear, where 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 a lot of things put us so that we're reacting to situations and, you know, we want to make decisions quickly. We want to, um, as far as being accurate, we kind of want to do good enough. It doesn't have to be exact. And we're, we're just trying to, to limit our options, make the quickest um, option for that moment and really live in the moment where the reflective mind would, or when we're in that state, when we're being a little bit more reactive, reflective, we take a little bit, we're a little slower, you know, where we make a decision trying to weigh all the options we see in front of us and all the options that are kind of out there in the future. That's one of the things that makes us so unique compared to all the other life on this planet is we can visualize the future. We can see where our, when we choose to, and when we take the time, we can see where our choices um, can wind up taking us. And then we, um, in that reflective mindset, you also focus more on, I'm doing things well. And so I think what happens for me and probably you and probably a lot of people that are listening is we kind of get stuck and we just begin to react and thinking of that story, um, Esau and when he was hungry, um, he had come out, come back from a, from a long day and he was hungry and he, he just reacted. He was hungry. He wanted to solve that. And he went for a bowl of stew. Now, I'm sure, you know, Jacob was kind of a man of the tents, as they say, so he probably was a decent cook, but it probably wasn't the best option that he could have eaten. He might have been able to take a little time and make some food for himself or, or do anything else, but it was quick and it was easy. And really, there's a lot of things in our culture that are geared to keep us in that space. You know, that's why they put that stuff up by the register. They want us to react like, oh... Sure, I can pay $3 for a 20-ounce bottle of soda, even though, you know, I probably could hold it till I get home and grab something, you know, that's maybe a little bit better for me or a little bit cheaper or something like that. But the, the world is built for us to try to react to things, and when we're constantly doing that, it can really, um, you know, we don't make the best choices. Sometimes we do need to react. We do need to make quick decisions and do our best. That's part of survival. That's not how you thrive. You can survive by reacting, but you can't thrive because of that reflective, um, taking a, kind of a bigger picture, stepping back and being a little bit more centered. And especially we as Christians, um, in regard to what really centers us, which is Christ and which is the hope that he has called us to and the purpose. And, um, so I don't know if that made sense, but that was my quick two cents of kind of what I've been was thinking about it as you were asking the question, my friend. That was really good. I feel really smart for uh, having this conversation with you, but a little bit less smart because uh, I'm apparently much less informed. Although I'd really love uh, to hear that we're smart enough now so science actually <laughs> kind of validates a lot of this old wisdom. Uh, that's, mm-hmm. that's pretty fantastic. So at, w- while you were thinking, have, and I don't know if this is something you've run across, is there anything um, to be said for 
developing uh, like the reflective instinct versus the reactive instinct. So like essentially, you know, if you're, if you want to run a marathon, it would be really hard to go out and do it. But if you go run two miles a day and then five miles a day and then 10 miles a day or what, I don't know how people actually do that, but you know, there's a way. Um, If we, if we practice the, like the reflective side of things as you were talking about, does that get stronger so that it takes a little bit less work and it becomes more automatic than the knee jerk? Oh, I want this right now, regardless of any cost and without any thought to the future. So, um, I I believe there is, first of all, I like what you said. I think science really all it helps us to do is it helps us to discover the way things are. And so of course, when you apply a scientific method to us as people, you're going to discover why these biblical principles are true. They're true, whether we've discovered why or not, but we're going to kind of get some more, um, maybe a little bit more richness or a little deeper understanding. But as far as what can you do to develop that, it's a lot like a muscle, um, responsible decision-making, making the right decisions. It really is a lot like a muscle, and it is something that actually can improve the, the longer you kind of work at it. Now, I know that we're saved by grace, you know, but it also says to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. And part of one of the first steps that's, that I do, and I'm, I'm still working on it because I'm definitely not perfect, and I'm in, but one of the first things is the idea of being self-aware. Now, not that we want to glorify self or, you know, put ourselves on a pedestal because that's definitely not biblical, but knowing where you're at in a given moment can really begin to give you at least uh, a plan of how to get to a different place. And so one of the things that's interesting that I... I, I I say this all the time in my work, and I, I say it um, from uh, different groups I lead at church for parenting or for child raising or relationships, especially males, and it applies to males, and I'm a male, so it fits me perfectly. Um, we are really quick to get into that reactive set, especially if we get anger or if we sense we're about to suffer loss. And when that adrenaline hits you as an individual, as a person, male or female, but especially for males, just the way we're wired, you're not going to be able to make the best decision. You might be able to make a decision that helps you survive, that helps you get out of where you're at. You're going to uh, was it fight, fright, or freeze. But you're not going to make the best decision. And so part of developing this muscle to get reflective is saying, all right, well, where am I now? And you start to sense yourself reacting more, and you say, oh, I'm starting, I'm nervous, or um you know, I'm desiring something excessively or something going on. If you have that, that adrenaline boost in combination with that, you need to give yourselves at least 20 minutes. That's what they discovered as they you know, kind of watched people and how the, how long it takes for the hormone to clear out of your body. So if you're in a conversation with your kids and you get fired up or your wife and you start to feel that adrenaline boost and you're wondering, am I going to make the best parenting decision or the best life decision or the best marriage decision? When you're amped up on that um, adrenaline, it's not going to work. So you're going to part first step is recognize, Hey, I'm amped up and then figure out a way to give yourself 20 minutes in order to bring your brain back out of that reactive place into a more reflective place. So that hopefully 
you can make a better decision. I think that would have worked for Esau. If Esau, obviously, if he would have, you know, sat back and thought about what Jacob was proposing to him and said, well, he didn't even have to make it, make the decision then. He could have put off making that decision about what he was going to eat until he was maybe at a place that he could make a better decision. And so it is, it's kind of like, um, you know, when a river or a stream carves a rut in the ground, those decisions that we make um, definitely can begin to put grooves in our brains so that we make better decisions. And um, if we've been making bad decisions over a long period of time, those grooves get pretty deep. And sometimes it takes a while to dig new grooves and new thought processes and patterns in our cells. Yeah, that's good. Uh, I'm, I, through the years, have also uh, come to appreciate the power of habits and just the way, you know, the way God made our brains. The first time we figure something out, you know, it's hacking through the jungle. But if you if you keep working on a given response and manner of things, it becomes a habit. So like what, what one day starts as a path through the jungle becomes this super highway of instinctive response. And uh, that's been uh, also a, kind of a longstanding point of interest. Not Again, not because we have to save ourselves out of our own messes, but there's some, something to be said for sure just in appreciating and understanding how that's how God made us work. So, um, that's, uh, that's really good stuff. I like that. So, uh, for your own kids, what would be, uh, the things that you want them to not forget in terms of, uh, who they are before God and maybe, uh, even some, because this is going to be closely related for you, because I know you. But uh, what does it mean to be part of the Martinez family, and what are the what are those things that when you're you know because we see sometimes easier in our kids and ourselves when you see like all right the adrenaline just kicked in the moment is coming uh, don't forget who you really are in this moment. What are some of those uh, What are some of those things that you want to deeply instill and presumably that you're also try to hang on when you're in your own moment of, uh, am I going to reflect or am I just going to react and make a rash decision? I think, uh, it's, it's a simple concept, but it's hard to, to hold on to. I'm hoping that I'm instilling it in my kids, but it's the idea that they are deeply loved, um, by God, number one, and then by, myself and their mother and um, just knowing that you're loved, I think can help you understand the no's that you might hear or the correction that might be brought or the why something, why you're doing things. And really that has been my number one goal is just to consistently show and tell them how much I love them and then try to every chance I get explain how, no matter how much daddy loves you, um, you have a father in heaven who loves you more and that God really does want the best for you. He wants you to have life and have life abundantly. And though there are parameters we have to function in, 
um, that being grounded in that, and that the biggest way and the most clearest way he expressed that love was through what happened on the cross. And so ever since my kids can think, I've read the gospel to them every, every night, just about. So from my 14 year old down to my two year old, all five of them, we've read this little Jesus story and we go through it and it explains the cross and explains how that shows that God loves them. And I think if they could just get that, if that's the only thing I got through to them, then, you know, I feel like I've done at least okay. Now I'll try to teach them more, but to really get them to hold on to that is, is my number one goal. That's good. That's good. I was, uh, as I was thinking about this, um, so this is going to obviously reflect my um, insatiable pressing on remembering the big picture, but, you know, that's part of my charm. But I was thinking, um, I think for people at church and certainly for the, the boys, just to not forget who who they are and what they were created for and where this whole story is headed. And then um, with that in mind, like God's actually going to fix this thing eventually, keeping in mind that that story is already unfolding and each of us are to some degree, uh, actually, according to Jesus, to significant degrees, already taking our places and defining ourselves, of course, before God, and that's only only doable and possible because of this cross and resurrection, but we, we're in the story already, so to some degree, now is the time, and uh, eternity is just going to be a natural extension of the place that we're carving for ourselves into God's story, and then um, again, this is easier said than done in the midst of everyday life, but don't trade that away, um, for momentary pursuits or pleasures or desires that might ultimately leave us as an empty, eternal kind of person. Uh, and again, that's pretty stupid, simple as well, but, uh, Somehow, keeping in mind that this whole thing is going somewhere is is does good things for keeping my compass true, and I I, I hope that helps, um, and I hope that shapes my boys as well. Um, but it's always good to ask. I find uh, the question in terms of what do you want to pass on to your kids because you know you're getting the good stuff at that point. Yeah, and I, I think what you said as far as the ultimate end to God's plan for his creation, which is fulfilled in Christ, I think that that is the, the fact that he is coming back. And, um, you know, I was telling them in the way I say it, there'll be prizes and there'll be punishment. And that's just what's happening. But he's coming back to make things right. So anybody that deserves to be punished and they can understand what that means is they deal with each other and tell me one of the, you know, they'll all five be doing something and they'll point out who deserves to be punished. But there is prizes. There is, there is rewards and we don't do it for the rewards, but we, it doesn't mean they're not there. And I yeah. try to say, as just as when daddy, you know, if I come back from a long day at work or if I'm away at a conference, you know, I always bring prizes, you know, yeah. just, I enjoy it. 
I like to see their faces light up. And I think the Lord is similar in a sense. You know, it's a weak correlation, but it's something that I hopefully can communicate to them. But I think you're 100% right in not leaving that out. Because I think a lot of people leave that out of God's story. Not you, but a lot of people don't tie in the return of Christ as to being as an essential thing that God is doing and wants us to understand. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and um, like you were talking about the rewards, there's now obviously Jesus is often speaking in metaphor and hyperbole, so we're not trying to... It, do, it doesn't need to be a one-to-one literal interpretation, but clearly uh, the invitation that God has for us just completely blows my mind. And mm-hmm. like that idea that, you know, if you're faithful with a couple pennies, there will be some significant um, place for you. Now, that's not, that doesn't really and truly, that doesn't, invoke pride or that sort of grasping impulse, but it would just, the the goodness of God and what he seems to think of us is really mind-blowing to me. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Hey, man, this was awesome. Uh, I definitely hope that it works out to do this um, sometime again soon because this was quite enjoyable. And we'll, uh, you and I will have to have some conversation about what some other fun topics might be to uh, do this again. Um, any other thoughts before we start to shut this down? Um, just uh, want to say how grateful I am for your friendship and how you, uh, I just love the importance and the focus, the vision that you have. And I'm not saying not that you don't have a vision for building some great thing in this world, but the fact how you, you continually remind me and I appreciate that of the, of the thing that God is doing that's greater than you or me, greater than this, time period in history that it's an ultimate plan and i i appreciate that that's you're a good friend and thank you for letting me come on it's been a lot of fun oh my certainly my pleasure again uh maybe this will be a small consolation until that day when we all find ourselves living in the same city and uh getting to do a whole bunch more of this type of thing Uh, But in the meantime, uh, if today's episode has helped bring your world into a little better focus, please give it a good rating and review. That actually goes a long way in helping others be able to find it on iTunes or whatever your podcast provider is. If you would like to hear some thoughts about something specific from the Bible or a big Christian idea that's on your mind that could help bring your world into better focus, Please email me using the address included in the show notes. I would definitely love to hear from you. And if something's on your mind, it's no doubt on the minds of others as well. Until next time, thanks for being a friend of the show and for tuning in to the In Focus podcast along with Fido in their background. Uh, May God bless you this week and may your world continue coming into clearer focus. And may God lead you into an eternally increasingly eternal kind of life before him here and now see you later